Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. everyone and welcome to my interview series. Today we have Lisa Yu. She is a citizen of the world and she's a digital beauty native, previously working at L'Oreal China, doing everything from digital transformation to heading up social media and influencer strategy. She now works at Genuine German, helping brands, international brands, enter the China market. I'm really happy to have Lisa here to discuss everything beauty in China today. Thank you so much for coming, Lisa. Thanks for having me. So, Lisa, firstly, can you give me a bit of an overview about what you're working on now at Genuine German and GenLab? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, my partner and I, um, he's called Damien, and we are both German. So, um, the initial idea was to say, um, okay, to help German brands um, enter the Chinese market, because we feel like Chinese, China um, is a digital maze. It's very hard to navigate through. So, we wanted to make a one-stop solution and make it very easy for uh, people or for businesses to enter, uh, no matter the size. Um, so Genuine German is a full-service marketing and e-commerce agency, and what we do is we work with the C-level suite to um, define a market entry strategy, and we do everything from consulting to e-commerce to marketing, uh, logistics and finance, um, and to give brands an opportunity to enter China, basically. And from that, we gather a lot of marketing and e-commerce knowledge. Um, so we opened another company called GenLab. So Gen is uh, standing for Gen Z and being genuine. And um, Lab is for laboratories because we really believe in new rising consumer brands, D2C consumer brands. And what we are looking for are genuine brands um, with a purpose where the founder is really into uh, the brand itself and wants to scale globally. So now we have um, invested in and are scaling um, two brands, one a Chinese one and one Australian one. And the purpose is really to um, help them to grow, to build them up, and then maybe one day to go global. Fantastic. Exciting. I like the fact that you're looking at brands from both sides, you know, also Chinese brands as well as, as, well as international brands. I think that will position you very well to to sort of really scale and be able to understand um, understand both of those those sort of different the differences because they are so different aren't they the, their approaches um, and philosophies so that's exciting great so in terms of the China beauty market a very broad question but what do you find is the most exciting thing happening for you right now 
Mm. Um, I think because I've been in the beauty industry basically my whole life. Um, started at L'Oreal in Germany, um, made a stop at Clarence uh, in Shanghai, then another uh, three years in Shanghai. Um, so I feel like you know, looking at broad history of um, China, Chinese beauty. I think in the beginning, it was very much focused on um, big foreign brands like L'Oreal, Lauder, Lancome entering China. Then we had this huge um, trend of Japanese J-beauty and Korean mm. K-beauty, mm. where mask trend, um, the Korean makeup look trend really swapped over with K-pop and um, the TV series. And um, just recently, I think um, everyone in the beauty industry has noticed the rise, the sunrise of sea beauty or Chinese consumer brands and Chinese beauty brands like Perfect Diary, the Home Fashion Pro, the big ones um, really gaining attention. Mm. And uh, I think now is such an interesting and exciting momentum because I feel like now um, it's time for even more Chinese brands, um, but more focused on branding because previously it was very supply chain driven. So um, the, the, the founders who had a lot of traffic resources coming, for example, from Alibaba, Tencent, um, the big uh, internet companies, um, together with the fast supply chain, because China really was based on manufacturing and the quality is better, they were doing better in R&D. So this combination was flying and picked up. Um, it was very scalable. And I think now it's the moment for real you know global chinese brands basically to evolve and uh, come up um with more character and more layers yeah i think that's a that's a really interesting one because even you know people that don't follow china very closely they in the beauty industry they know perfect diary right perfect diary has been mm. something that people have been talking about in western circles for, for, for quite a few years and their model you know i've done some um, research and, and deconstructed a little bit, but they have so much money in marketing um, and actually mm. relatively small percentage goes into R&D. Um, however, that is evolving. And I think now they're changing that and they're putting much more money into R&D because, you know, Chinese consumers and also global consumers are very, are becoming more and more discerning about the product. And ultimately that's, you know, that's the thing that uh, that they really, well, it's not the, the marketing is always and always will be very important part of the mix. But um, yeah, the R&D part is, uh, is, is important. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there will be a shift from a short-term ROI-focused vision to a more long-term driven approach. So um, more towards, more investments towards branding instead of just, uh, just um, for example, live stream where our eyes were mm. direct, or for mm. example, um, more investment into R&D to have unique products instead of fast OEM. Yeah, yeah. So I think there will shift yes. um, between those APIs basically. Yeah, which is an exciting space, right? Like that's super exciting. And I, and I think the idea of, of Chinese brands going global is also very exciting um, and how that will happen and who will manage it first and successes it's all to happen in the next couple of years I think um, very interesting so then again I guess for some of these brands some of the brands that will be listening to this there are smaller brands um, indie brands from around the world and also some clean beauty brands what categories do you see having the biggest potential in China um, at the moment for, for smaller and, and indie indie brands 
Yeah. Sophie, um, talk about category beauty. Um, I would just very roughly divide it into skincare, color cosmetics, fragrance, and body. Um, and I think for each you know, of those four big categories, there are niche categories. For example, in skincare would be mud, make, uh, mud uh, masks. Um, so for mm -hmm. example, to one, um, those are very uh, on trend. Um, or for example, in color cosmetics, I think it's super interesting because the penetration in China for color cosmetics is actually super low. So if we look at Western and the US, skincare and makeup is you know almost 50-50. It's like uh, 45 or 55%. But in China, um, the range is about, um, I think, 28, 35-ish. And skincare is much more. So it's about 67 mm -hmm of the market um so meaning makeup actually has a very you know it's a it's, it has a lot of potential and a funny insight is um that people from my team um they are post 95 uh you know gen zero zero i don't even know how to call them <laughs> born in the born in the 2000s and um they are very you know social and instagram friendly they post a lot of pictures but you know, day and night, there are two people. And I asked them once, I, I'm like, why don't you wear uh, makeup to the office? Why do you look so different if you're out with your friends? And she just said, oh, um, because you know, I'm wearing glasses, I'm lazy, and I don't know how to do like daytime makeup. So a lot of that, that I find such an interesting insight because mm. young girls are used to heavy makeup. They're used to this transformational style. And I think it's part, partially because of um, Douyin, um, Red, or social medias where they do a lot of before and afters. Mm. But um, unlike in, the, in, in Europe, in the US, we have very simple daytime makeup, maybe just you know, five steps, five products. Um, they do either nothing, bare face, or a full full face so i think that's a very interesting um yeah mm -hmm. insight and approach for Definitely. for makeup yeah. yeah and then for fragrance the niche fragrances um, like maison magella mm. um, yeah very very nice interesting brand uh, those are completely on the rise and um, however the, the whole market is still a little bit small um, mm -hmm. But um, because my last position at L'Oreal was to bring, um, you know, uh, small brands or brands who has been acquired by the group, but not yet launched in China to China. Um, mm -hmm. And Magella was one of them. And um, yeah, so, so this trend, the whole niche fragrances part is, I think, definitely on the rise. And then um, for, for body, it is really transformational to make showering and body fun again basically because we we have the traditional ones like dove um or a couple of local ones but there yeah. has been no really you know innovation or transformation in terms of branding yeah so mm. rocking zoo is one example from the chinese yeah. um yeah from the chinese from a from a chinese entrepreneur she's also um l'oreal alumni um mm. yeah so that's right Mm -hmm. Yes, Rocking Zoo. I've seen that brand. It's a great, it's a really fun, really fun brand. I think um, I think that there's a lot of fun in Gen Z Chinese brands, like no matter what category, whether it's beauty or other categories, just there's there's a lot of color, a lot of personality. People are having a lot of fun with it, which is which I think in the West is not yeah there's not it's not the same it's quite a different trend it's quite, it's quite a different trend um and I, it's interesting what you say about um makeup actually because 
think from an external perspective, a lot of people are seeing a lot of Chinese sea beauty brands doing very well in makeup. And hence, I have brands coming to me that are a little bit apprehensive about going into China with makeup because they feel that obviously if you're a very high end, it's quite different and the positioning is very different. So I think it's fine. But for a more um, mass or accessible price point, I think people are a bit scared because they're worried about going head to head with the Chinese brand. So uh, it's, I agree with you, there's a lot of room for demand. It's just who's going to capture that demand is, is the question. That's a, interesting because with um, Genuine German, one of our biggest clients is the Cosnova Group. Um, so mm -hmm. they are the biggest in terms of market share for um, color cosmetics in a very low price range in Germany. So in mm -hmm. Germany, they sell, of course, um, in, in those big uh, players like DM, etc., uh, etc. Et mm -hmm. And um, their price points are down to one euro, one twenty nine, mm -hmm. um, and four or five. And um, our business model with them is trade. So we are we are their sole trade partner and a marketing agency. And mm -hmm. actually, last year we 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 managed to grow by two hundred fifty percent. Um, on Tmall Global only, and the whole market together with um, C store distributors are um, hitting um, Ike E. Yeah, so mm. it's 100 RMB, I think. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it depends on the business model and how you grow the brand and color cosmetics. And if you have this brand identity and niche, it's it's possible to to enter because we are. Or, or this brand, these brands, Essence and Catrice, are really benchmarking, um, for example, Perfect Diary and, mm -hmm. and Judy. Yeah, but I think the success recipe is to have a clear brand identity, um, products you stand for. Um, so what we did for Essence is building up a hero product in the powder category during mm -hmm. coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So we didn't focus just right and powder yeah. really good. And yeah. really, really specific uh, target audience which are gen z students yeah so we see that, mm. that it's really interesting that's really interesting i think brands will be uh, encouraged by that. Uh, so, yeah. So that yeah that's good that's good um so yeah i mean you've obviously worked as we as you mentioned on plenty of international brands um entering the china market can you share a couple of maybe marketing tricks that um, you think often get, to over, get overlooked when, um, when people are entering? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, taking our um, success case as an example, Essence and uh, Catrice, um, I think what I am really um, caring about is the long-term version of the brand because um, the, the marketing mix really makes it. Of course, um, we are working with Li Jiaqi, Livestream, uh, Douyin, mm. and those bigger KOLs. But at the same time, um, I think 50% um, of the budget needs to go towards branding. And um, I'm continuously trying to find smart ways to do it um, because I'm from an influencer background. So I have seen or worked with pretty much all the KOLs in China and I know their prices. So it's really, really expensive. Um, if you don't do it hard, probably your whole budget goes into influencer marketing. So one approach we have taken is um, the approach of PR boxes, but very, 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 very few um, trademark uh, or TP companies know how to do it because they do not come mm. from a brand perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so we really integrate product marketing, PR, social with e-commerce. 
Um, doing so, we have gained you know, a lot of traction, a lot of posts for free um, because they were so excited about the PR box and together with offline events where we get to know them personally, mm. um, a very friendly relationship. So my recommendation would be really balancing um, our iDriven marketing with branding and um, yeah, more long-term driven perspectives of the marketing side. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important. It's something that I'm always talking to my clients about in terms of the, the amount of focus to put on the branding side of it. Because mm-hmm. I think for some companies that comes naturally. Um, mm-hmm. but for other companies, it, it, it's a difficult conversation because, I mean, even for the ones that D2C US brands, that it comes naturally, right? Like the branding is at the core. Right. Still in China, mm-hmm. it's... Um, you know, it's not self-driven. You you have to right. you have to invest a lot of money. It's not it's not like you can just get these influencers to post about you for free. Like some of the brands that I work with, they never pay influencers outside of China. I mean, the U.S. because the the, the influencers want to be associated with the brands, but that's a process of explaining to them that it just doesn't work like that in China. And of course, the PR boxes are great. The seeding is a great way to start that relationship if you have a really fantastic box then you will get a couple of posts for free potentially but you have to also be willing to then invest with that with that influencer right yeah that's a good point yes absolutely um i've seen some of the events on your on your wechat that you've done and they certainly look um look pretty spectacular so I, th- I think that uh, even and as you said even with brands like like um Patrice and Essence that are very low price point you still do those really fancy PR um events because that's a way of positioning the brand right um in the eyes of the consumer and making it aspirational so uh, I think that uh, that brands should definitely look at that when they're going into the market um and it's it's also great to hear that you and you, you point, you, may, you mentioned this, but, you know, TPs generally, and when I'm advising brands, we normally would work with a TP and a marketing agency separately. Like we want them to work together, but you have the marketing agency for the branding. But with you guys, because of your background, I suppose you have that point of difference um, right. where you really have that marketing expertise. So that's, yeah, that's really good. Um, that's good for brands. Um, well, I guess just to end, is there anything that you think is really exciting that's happening in China in the beauty and wellness space that you want to sort of, you, you think people should know about before before we finish? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so my passion or my um, mission these days is um, consumer brands going global, maybe starting from China. Um mm. So I just I'm just in the yeah in the last moves of finishing my MBA, um, and one of my yeah research pieces or my thesis will be surrounding exactly this one. So if Chinese beauty brands can go global one day, because um, I saw that there are a couple of brands like Alibaba, Xiaomi, meaning um, that are on the global radar, but mm-hmm. not so. Chinese consumer brands or Chinese beauty brands. So mm. my dream or my vision would be really to have Chinese consumer brands and beauty brands um, that can go global one day. I think that's not if, that's when, and it's sooner yeah. rather than <laughs> later. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, Perfect Diary already have um, a good presence in Southeast Asia. There is, there's already a sort of um, move 
outside of mm-hmm. China. But um, I think in the and you know in the big Western markets, there's there is still um, there's still a lot of work to be done for sure. If, for for a Chinese brand to really be very very popular in the US or in um, mm-hmm. in Europe, there's there's work to be done, but it will happen. It will happen. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to reading your thesis. You'll have to send it to me. Um, thank you so thank you so much, Lisa, for this. I think that brands will be able to get a lot out of it. And if they want to contact you, is LinkedIn the best place? Yeah, sure. Um, LinkedIn, or I also have a per- personal website. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll link, I'll put that below so people can, uh, people can contact you. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Lisa. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.